This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and as always, welcome to our show. We're happy to have you. Uh, it's another good week in Miami FC land in Dade County for soccer, and I've got two of your favorite voices on soccer here on the pod this evening or this morning or whenever you're listening. Uh, let's go first to Omar Mubayad. Omar, how you doing, pal? I'm cracking open a Guinness. This is Guinness number four or five today. It's been a great day for me. How's it been for you guys? Uh, it's been fine. It's been fine, and let's leave it there. Drew Hausman, how you doing, Drew? Indie killers! <laughs> so, uh, Omar obviously has something to mention, but we'll come back to that later. Uh, because, as Drew mentioned, the, the much, much, much more important matter at hand... Um, in uh, Miami FC, get up in Indy and snap the streak and do it in definitive style. Um, kind of a, I mean, I, you never want to be surprised with a win when your team, you know, is winning. That's good, and they, you should expect them to win. Um, but yeah, two nil. Uh, Miami FC claimed the victory over the Indy Eleven in Indianapolis, uh, and it's a pretty dominant showing. Uh, so let's let's talk about this game a little bit before we preview the Open Cup. Um, let's talk about this game. And, uh, Drew, what did you see from it? It was a great game. Indy on the road kind of had me scared because, uh, as you know, they were undefeated in, I believe, 21 home games, uh, something like that. But uh, uh, records are meant to be broken. We shattered them. It was a great game. They uh, they switched up their formation. I believe the, the first game they played a like crazy scattered, like, Four one two one two, and then went to a f- uh, four four or four four one one, and uh, it wasn't as intense as the first game, but we pulled it off. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, it was it was surprisingly uh, pedestrian. I guess would be the way to put it. It was it was good in a way that you d- you didn't have to sweat it all that much. Miami FC were definitely in the ascendancy. Uh, you know, the second goal in the 72nd minute by Poku definitely took even more pressure off, but you, it never really looked like Indy 11 had much of a chance of winning this game. Uh, what do you think, Omar? We destroyed them, like, as bad as their TIFO tried to destroy our mascot. <laughs> and guess what, boys? Yeah, Golasso holds his own on Twitter, though, doesn't free he? Croquetta, free Croquetta, free uh, Croquetta. He holds yeah. his own. You know, I will say I had I had uh, Golasso, uh, aka Croqueta, in my um, in my classroom uh, a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I believe early last week, and um, I credit with some of the you know some of the things I teach in my room. It's about you know standing up for yourself and believing in your principles, and I think he took that along with him. Um, yeah. yeah it was, it was, so you're gonna get you're gonna take the credit for the for the bashing that uh... abs- 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So, um, yeah, game... it was quite a clapback he had on him, and it was it was good, and it was, good. It was as good as the Tifo was bad. Yes, it was. It, it was <laughs> as as Drew mentioned earlier, the game was very pedestrian in the sense that you didn't really have too much to worry about as a fan of Miami FC. Uh, the early goal from Vincenzo Ranella, uh, assisted by Robert Casira, and Robert Casira was able to finally kick Vincenzo Ranella in the back. Get some payback uh, for the goal a couple games ago where Casira got a, a nice little knock uh, in his lower back area. Um, Michael LaHood played an excellent chip ball uh, to Poku. Very Pirlo-esque, if I can say so myself. Oh, yeah, that was um, beautiful. It was a beautiful ball. Yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, please make sure you check out our Twitter account as we do have uh, the GIF of it so you guys can see just kind of how, how beautiful it actually was. Um, Miami dominated the game, and, and you know what? This is... It's sad because we used to view Indy 11 as a powerhouse. We last season around this time would see Indy 11 like this is a formidable opponent. This is a team that, you know, you can't really fall asleep on. You can't have a bad game against them because they're going to make you pay. And one thing I've noticed by speaking to Indy's counterparts, you know, I'm sorry, our counterparts over in in Indianapolis, Hmm. uh, Bloody Shambles, is that this is a team that's roster isn't deep. They're hampered by injuries up and down. The ownership doesn't yeah. seem to be signing people left and right. You know, two guys that they just signed, rookies, Tanner Thompson, uh, and the other one I'm trying to remember is, God, who's the other rookie? I think it's uh, I think it's Goldsmith. These are kids that just finished playing college ball, and now they're sitting in, you know, Division Two professional leagues, and, yes, it's going to take time for them to adapt. Um, so it's one of those things where this is another team, much like Puerto Rico, which we'll talk about in a second, that should they come on the schedule again and they're – roster still looks the way it does you need to expect three points from every time yeah i guess it, it, it was it, we're still kind of adjusting to the new uh the new normal in in the nasl in 2017 but yeah there are a couple of teams that i'm just used to them having their stuff together india is one of them uh carolina the front office drama aside carolina is generally one of them and obviously the cosmos right um, and, and you're seeing this season, you know, while while the Cosmos still kind of remain uh, near the top of the table, they're they're in fourth, but they have a game in hand and 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 could get up to 15 points. Um, you're just, you know, and, and North Carolina is second um, in, in the table. You're you're not used to being kind of probably what what any a neutral observer would say is the best team in the league, right? Um, and I guess that's something that we kind of have to use to we have to get used to saying and 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 understanding is that we're in a position that other teams look at us and say, "Oh crap, we got to play Miami this week. This is going to be tough." We're not used to that. We're used to being <laughs> having that shoe on our foot. Right. So it is. It's strange to go into a, a a place that has a twenty game or twenty one game winning streak and expect to snap it and expect to snap it in in pretty dominant fashion. Where you're controlling possession, you clearly look like you're in a better position. Now, part of that is the fall off of, of Indy 11, and part of that is the improvement of Miami FC. And to jump back in here before I, I let you basically go off for the rest of the game, um, <laughs> Miami four shots on target, obviously got two goals in that game, won that game uh, 2-0. Um, six shots from inside the box. They're finally getting the ball working through the middle, and they're creating chances through the middle, something that teams before would try to force them to go outside. They're finding a way. They're making sure that they can, you know, cut the cut the defense in the middle. Again, I want to keep using the word middle, but they keep cutting defense and 
finding a slot to create some chances and get those shots from inside the box instead of taking shots from 25, 30 yards out. Miami dominated possession 60 to 40 pretty much uh, throughout the game. Even these numbers, again, Optima runs all the numbers, but it, it maybe was closer to 65, 35, more than 60, 30. Um, Miami, again, 93% completion on their passes. Over 482 total passes in this game. So, obviously, Miami with the upper hand, not only in the skill, but also as well in the chemistry uh, of the starting 11. And it goes a long way. Uh, you know, this is one of those things where we were talking about just two months ago what the starting 11 would look like. And some of us did peg Dylan Maris for a spot. And some of us, you know, pegged Richie Ryan for a spot. But again, the Robert Casera was not a name that was pegged. And Hunter Freeman, not, again, not necessarily a name that was pegged on the outside. We were thinking of Gabriel Farfan. We were thinking Blake Smith. You know, Michelle would play a role here and there. So, given everything, this is a this is a starting eleven that I am most comfortable with moving forward. Obviously, we can rotate the forwards. We've talked about that a bunch of times in the past. Um, but Drew, tell me what you think. Like with this starting eleven that we keep playing out, this seems to be the one that gels together because the forward line just seems to be a rotating door whoever's hot throw them up front you know it's kind of like your closer like if you've got two or three guys in baseball that and you don't have an actual closer to the game you're just going to give the ball to the guy who's hot right yeah and this game was a prime example of that because uh stefano opinio was injured and then came back on for this game uh didn't really look uh up to par or his full full self he missed a a couple of shots uh, early on, or he had a nice opportunity and sailed it. Um, but I like this lineup. I mean, I think Poku and Ronello are a set, and I think I think it's going to come down to uh, Pino and um, and uh, Chavez fighting out for that last spot. Uh, you know, even in the Open Cup, we haven't seen Aaron Dennis, who's still signed to the squad, who had uh, a little bit of success coming on as a sub last year. You know, maybe I playing think games he's hurt. Oh, well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Never mind that. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Uh, but either way, like, I, I, even coming off an injury, him being young and not getting a lot of playing time last year, like, you know, we talk about so much about fighting onto this roster and, you know, just I don't see an opportunity for him to come on because these guys are, are, are duking it out. If you look at the NASL, like, goal-scoring leaderboard, they even tweeted about the other day how I think prior to the indie game, we had four players with two goals apiece. You know, there's a lot of rotation right. in there where it's being evenly distributed. You know, there's not one clear go-to guy who's going to be your, you know, main striker up front that's getting every single goal. You know, everybody's getting a, a chance at every part of it, and that's really what you want as a team clicking together because it just shows everybody's a threat. You know, you can't watch game tape and just say, hey, uh, you know, rough up Poku outside the box or double team him, but you know, everybody has the attacking power. Um, Just the one thing about this game compared to the last indie game was, you know, it it was a little bit frightening because, you know, we had, we had great possession, but at the same time coming out in the last four games, I think we were very heavy attacking on them. And this game was a little more lax, but uh, man, that that uh, that little set piece and catching him off guard, sleeping where Casira uh, <laughs> got the pass, and uh, I think he tried to take a shot, but Enzo chipped it in. Uh, I mean, that was like tactical brilliance. I love that. Just you know, classic. Uh, it's like the hidden ball trick in baseball. You know, just mm-hmm. get him, get him going to the basics, and that's kind of some stuff we saw last year too, coming out of Dario, just uh, snatching it from sleeping defenders. So. 
got to get the goals where you can, but right now it's it's looking brilliant with all of our forwards and even uh, our wing players. Don't sleep on the Miami FC. We're yeah, the team not to be slept on. on. <laughs> don't sleep. Uh, Matt, you alluded to something in the standings earlier about how, you know, Indy 11, again, sitting in sixth place with six points through eight games played. Um, this, when I look at the standings, and, and again, the NASL is only eight teams this season, there's some things that really stick out. I think prior to the season, we all knew Edmonton and Puerto Rico were going to probably be bottom of the table. You know, if, if they had a good season, you would be surprised. In the 11 is is a team that, that we look at and we're thinking, how how are they six? Like, obviously, given the injury problems, okay, you, know, you, you can kind of attest to that. But another team that we weren't expecting to be good in this case is Jacksonville Armada. Like, you knew North Carolina was going to be okay and that they would challenge every now and then. And the Cosmos is the Cosmos, so you can't really, you know, you can't really ever count them out. And the Deltas, you didn't really know what to expect. But I think the two biggest kind of like eye-openers or eyebrow-raisers here this season are the Armada and the Eleven for opposite reasons. In the Eleven, not getting off to the hottest of starts here in the spring season. And Jacksonville Armada getting off to a really hot start uh, early on in the spring season. Yeah, I would definitely say when you when you look at that, I think we all thought Jacksonville was going to be, you know, cannon fodder. You know, along the lines of Puerto Rico or Edmonton, where even though they were an established team that had played last year and were okay, um, they had a lot of uncertainty, even more than the average NASL team, which is a lot. And some teams aren't even playing (laughs) this season. So that tells you how bad it was, where they probably had, they had more uncertainty than Fort Lauderdale probably did. Fort Lauderdale was just there and then it wasn't. That was it. The end. <laughs> the Armada had a lot of uncertainty, and so the fact they've kind of come out of the gate and and, and gotten thirteen points from eight games, um, yeah, it's to it's to to be you know appreciated. And as as Drew was saying, you know, Indy dealing with kind of depth issues and injury issues. This is true, and it, it is an explanation. Well, but at the same time, if I were an Indy fan and I'm looking up the standings, three positions at Jacksonville. Uh, I might be a little bit sore. I might be a little bit upset about that fact and, and feel a little bit disappointed. You know, it's it's an explanation, not an excuse, I guess, for Indy 11. They have an explanation, but they don't really have much of an excuse. The excuse uh, the is num- that Zayed isn't playing. Pretty much. Yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. And and it's funny, though, again, amidst we've played every team this season with the exception of uh, the San Francisco Deltas, who, again, one of the question marks wild cards. We didn't know what to expect from them. And we haven't played the Armada. We don't see either team now um, for a couple more games. So, you know, it, it should be interesting down the stretch to think that these teams, how they face us, will determine how the rest of the spring season goes. Because we can pretty much know what to expect from everybody down the list. We know what to expect from North Carolina. We know what to expect from the Cosmos. You know, we know what to expect from Edmonton. But the four games that we have left against the Deltas and the Rowdies, I'm sorry, not the Rowdies, the... Uh, I got ahead of myself. The Armada, <laughs> we, we don't, we don't know what to expect, and it, it's it can be a scary thought. Yeah, my my thing is, uh, well, the Armada, we play them on the road after the Puerto Rico game and after the Open Cup game, so we'll we'll face them off away at our first game. Um, I'm I'm not really that frightened by them, man. San Francisco, honestly, I f- I feel like is the bigger threat because. Uh, you know, last year, if you look at our our standings in the first half of the year, getting to this point, we were horrific. We were bottom of the table, 
And here they are in second or third place, lurking at the top of the table, you know, as a new team gelling together. So I, I see them as a team that have a kind of better outlook or better progression than, than maybe Jacksonville. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's why us, you know, thank God we play Puerto Rico and doing the little cross to myself. We're going to beat Puerto Rico, but we need to, we need to gain (laughs) points going into this end run because it's going to be Delta's home Delta's away very quickly to end the season. And if they can get enough points and get up there, it's, it's going to be sketchy. Yeah. You definitely could have kind of like a two game home and home, uh, for the spring title. Like that's a definite possibility of what we may be seeing. But again, it's, it's, it's still a little bit too far out. Uh, calling it, I'm calling that. it. It's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's still it's a little bit jarring uh, considering what the schedule was last year. Where basically we were right near the end of the spring season at this point last year. Uh, you know, there was I think there was one game after the uh, after the the sec the, the the quote unquote first open cup game. I know it's not the first round, but our first open cup game. Uh, the fact that this the spring season basically goes into July this year. Um, it kind of throws some of the perspective off. So I keep on having this feeling like, oh, we're almost there, we're almost there. And I'm like, no, we're not. We're not really even close to being there yet. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, we still have a lot, a lot of real estate to cover, a lot of, a lot of ground to cover before we get to that final uh, two games against San Francisco. Before we, we, we take a look on and, and start previewing stuff for coming up in the next basically 10 days or so now, um, I want to real quick go ahead and, and look around the league real quick for this past week. Uh, the Arvo- the Armada devoured, devoured, destroyed the Deltas. Too many D's there. Um, Armada <laughs> beat the Deltas three to zero on Friday night, May nineteenth. A result that nobody really expected, as they made the transcontinental flight over to San Francisco. The Carolina Railhawks beat Puerto Rico in Puerto Rico, and Miami FC, as we've discussed, uh, beat the Indy Eleven two zero. Uh, the Cosmos and Edmonton didn't play. They were scheduled to play, but the Cosmos decided that they were going to take a trip to. The kingdom of Saudi Arabia. What? Of course. What? They, they beat Trump there. They beat Trump down to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? You know, right. middle of the season, let's go play Saudi Arabia. Yes. In the middle of the They really season. wanted to get their hands on that orb before Trump <laughs> rubbed all over it. <laughs> uh, now this is becoming the Magic City Soccer political episode. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Cosmos took on Alilal. Alilal is the number one team in Saudi Arabia. Uh, their record is actually pretty astounding. They have 21 wins, three draws, and two losses, and they have a plus 47 goal differential. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that game ended in a draw of 0-0. So correct, correct. that entire trip to wow. Saudi Arabia uh, was <laughs> all for nothing, I guess, if a game ends 0-0. I, I think there was a fat paycheck involved going to the Cosmos. Yeah. So oh, for sure. Their bank account, uh, it may be 0-0, but they increased their bank account by a 0-0. So. Uh, I was going to yeah. say, they tacked on a couple zeros. It was a draw, but it was a win. <laughs> yes. Hey, listen, man, man. You figured you'd like let them knock one in. Like, all right, if it's 0-0 after 75, let's let's cock it up and give yeah. each other a goal so it's not a 0-0 draw and a friendly that doesn't matter at all. That sucks. Well, man, listen, if the USL doesn't want to play the winner of the NASL in a, uh, I guess, a combined Division Two Super Bowl kind of match, we can just go play Ali Lal in Saudi Arabia. At that I'm point, down. like just, just let, let's put the game in Qatar since we're gonna put a World Cup game, a World Cup match anywhere yeah. there. Let's preview one of the It'll stadiums. Let's fly Miami FC and half a day brigade out to Qatar. 
not that anybody's <laughs> going to blend in, but you never know because we're Hispanic for the most part, so we should be okay. Right? We have the one Arab guy here talking. And then at the uh, same time, Matt, so we'll fucked. preview. Yeah, you, you oh, honkies. <laughs> honkies. You guys are going to be sticking out like sore thumbs. Anyway, so we'll, we'll preview hey, a stadium. As long as I get a couple swords and like bounce around, it seemed like that went all right for uh, Wilbur Ross and uh, Rex Tillerson. So I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm a young white guy, not an old white guy, but I mean, we're pretty replaceable, right? It doesn't, you know. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Similar. But yeah, yeah, maybe they'll come to Miami and we'll play a massive friendly. I, and listen, we still we're still hoping for a big international friendly here in South Florida. Um, I don't know how many teams would like to play in this humidity if they're not getting paid a fat paycheck, but, you know, we see Swansea going to North Carolina and West Ham went there last year, so, you know, why can't we draw one? It doesn't have to be an English Premier League team. Hell, it could be an English Championship League team. It could be a team like Celtic, but bring somebody to Miami. Wolfsburg. Fulham. Full America. Florida Cup. Florida Cup. Yeah. The teams may not want to come. The players do. Mark my words. The oh, players want to come do. to Miami. Oh, yeah. And so put, get in the word over there, championship side or, you know, in, whatever the hell it is called now. <laughs> we'll do the 11 uh, the, cup. The, yeah, get, get someone over here. Anyway, um, yeah, that I, I, I was that game on TV anywhere? Was that I, Cosmos I, game? I, I don't think it was on TV. I know it was... I know it was broadcasted uh, on, I think, Saudi Arabia's, like, version of ESPN. Uh, I think it's called Al Arabiya, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, mm-hmm. But I know it was definitely broadcasted there. The turnout was something, I think, like 8,000 reported. There was no number, but I guess it was more like a guesstimate from looking at the size of the stadium compared to how many people were in the seats. Um, sure. So basically they atten- flew halfway across the world to play an NASL-attended game. Essentially, <laughs> yes. Uh so, again, looking at attendance real quick, uh, again, there's only three, I guess, home matches for the NASL since the Cosmos decided that they were going to take a break from Edmonton and go over to Saudi Arabia. They, they exchanged the super cold for the super hot. I'm playing the desert. Indy 11 held their own. 7,400 people showed up to the game against Miami. That's always great to see. Uh, Puerto Rico uh, <laughs> Puerto Rico got 2,300 against North Carolina. That's 1,000 below their season average for the season, so that's not very good. Um, and the other home team was the San Francisco Deltas. Uh, again, 600 under their average so far. They got about 2,200 people here uh, at that game versus Jacksonville. If you look at the total attendance matchups, again, again, shout-outs to uh, Tampa Bay Rowdy fan Mike Pendleton, Fat 7 Deuce. Uh, every week he puts up the attendance tracker. USL's average attendance for Week 9 was 4,330. And the SL's average attendance was 4,580, baby. Yeah, we edged them out again. We win. We win. We win. That's a winner. Again, (laughs) we're just destroying USL at every turn and phase, and I love it. All we do is win, 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 no matter what. (laughs) I was was throwing my hands up. Yeah, well, four (laughs) of the top five teams uh, in attendance do play in the USL, so. Well, okay, let's move on. Yeah, but they all have MLS bids is the other fucked up thing. Yeah. Well, again, we've all talked about how the USL is playing the Long Kong, with, uh, the Long Kong, Long Con, uh, with all of their fans. Every team in the USL has an MLS bid, and we all know that not every team in the USL will be going to MLS. Uh, so Cincinnati, Sacramento, Louisville, San Antonio, I'm, I don't see any one of those four teams uh, ending up with an MLS team anytime soon. Maybe Louisville. But uh, I, I highly doubt it. St. Louis ought to have one. I, I really feel like if St. Louis were to get him, I know, I know they're more 
things to consider than just like the popularity of soccer, but I, St. Louis ought to damn well have an MLS well, team. Only Saint if Lewis. they're called the St. Lunatics and Nelly comes <laughs> yes, back and he's a part-time Saint- owner. <laughs> if they have the St. Lunatics, Perfect. I will fucking move to that goddamn city. Listen, man, <laughs> hey, that's... I will wear the, uh, the, the fucking mask and shoot Spider-Man, like, goo shit out of my hands. Like, <laughs> I'm down. So, to, like, mm. November will be a year and a half ago, I was in St. Louis for uh, one of the USA's World Cup qualifiers game. I think they won, like, 6-1 or something crazy like that. And the game was at Bush Stadium, and I remember seeing, you know, St. Louis SC. They were just starting the next season after, and they were selling tickets and trying to get a drive there. And I remember talking to a lot of the Uber drivers about... How St. Louis's number one like high school sport, like after football, is soccer, and yes, it's an absolute yes, it hot soccer hot, uh, soccer hotbed. They've had three home matches this year. They've averaged about just under five thousand people a game. You already know that normally the second MLS gets thrown into the mix, that attendance number will jump dramatically. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. If there's any team in the USL that I think absolutely deserves an MLS team, uh, if you want to throw in all factors, especially the Rams leaving town, it's, listen, I think St. Louis is top of the list when it comes to you know who deserves MLS from USL. And I feel like no one talks about it. And that's the thing that's so confusing. Like, if you understand the history of American soccer, like – I, I feel yeah. like I've gone crazy. I just about think this. It's San, San Diego and St. Louis are are like right down Broadway. Right, like they're just obvious. And and for some reason, USL and, and until recently, USL and NASL and MLS have just completely ignored them for the most part. It's astounding. And one thing that goes without being said is that like it helps the league out geographically. Because now you're able to – a city like St. Louis can play in the Eastern Conference or can play in the Western Conference because geographically they're like right down the middle uh, with regards yes. to the teams they have to travel to. And, and it really helps because, you know, right now Chicago's closest opponent, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, – it's Columbus in the MLS. Columbus, yeah. So, and they're the worst attended team in the MLS. Columbus? Columbus? No. Yeah, they pull Chicago? like 16 a game. Is it Columbus? Right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the crew. Huh. And they're mm. actually not a bad team. They seem to be in it like every other year, which is kind of crazy. Mm. Apparently nobody right. gives a fuck. This, yeah, it's not an MLS podcast. <laughs> so, uh, attendance numbers, yes, USL does dominate four out of the five top spots. Miami FC coming in sixth. But again, most of these teams, uh, there's nothing else to do in those cities. FC Cincinnati keeps averaging over 19,000 a game. Uh, Sacramento, three straight sellouts, 11,000 a game. Props to Sacramento. Uh, Louisville City, over 8,000, um, and San Antonio coming in strong with over 7,200 a game. So props to those cities. Uh, but you won't be getting MLS teams, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, so should we look <laughs> ahead, boys? Uh, bef- before we yes. leave this, I would just like to say I would like an MLS bid or an NASL bid to bring back the Colorado Caribous. I mean, as long as we're bringing back their jerseys. Yeah, right? yeah. Is, they is were the ones the, with yes. the tassels. If we could, yes. if we could bring that back, I'm I'm good to go. I'm good to go. That that is an absolutely gorgeous kit. Uh, I mean, it's it's right up there with the 1994 U.S. Men's National Team jersey in terms of just Denim, baby. legendary Denim. status. If we're going to be putting uh, teams in cities that already have an existing team like Atlanta, then yes, we should definitely put another team in Denver and throw them in the NASL. Yeah, that'd be great. That sounds that good would be great. Sounds good to me. Uh, but before we, before we, because I feel like we're, we're all like tap dancing and extending. Uh, be- before we do leave the MLS discussion, because it is local and relevant, and so I'll mention it briefly before we move on. 
Um, Tuesday, June sixth. Nope. There is a uh, big vote. Nope. What's that? Huh? Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, it's worth mentioning whether you're Miami FC and you're against it or whatever. You know, it's it's good to be involved in your local government. Um, the county commission. Uh, there'll be a uh, discussion and a vote on the right for basically for Miami Beckham United to purchase uh, land and begin development on its proposed stadium. Uh, a lot of wheels have been in motion the last couple weeks, and it seems like the direction on that project may be changing. Um, it's uh, Tuesday, June 6th, 9 to noon is the scheduled time. Those meetings usually go a little bit longer, so pack a lunch. Uh, 111 Northwest 1st Street, uh, 33128 is the zip code. Uh, if you're interested, just search MLS Miami on Facebook, and certainly someone will pop up and tell you about how it's fantastic. So, um, <laughs> if you need access to getting down to what the Stephen P. Clark Building, which is Government Center, um, again, yes. it's accessible. Listen, if you don't have a car, Uber to the nearest Metrorail, pay two twenty-five each way, and just get off at Government Center, and you're going to go down to I believe it's the first or the second floor. Somebody will direct you, uh, so you will be inside the the chamber of the, the basically right yeah the chamber of county commission um and yeah there should be a scheduled vote listen um whether or not you are pro miami fc or whether or not uh you listen to this podcast and all you want is uh beckham's mls team that's fine like we're not going to argue with you because here we are here to support all things miami soccer and you have the right to your views anybody who thinks not having an mls team in miami is good for soccer in the city uh yeah, that's questionable thoughts, but at the same time, just because it's not MLS does not mean you should ignore any kind of soccer in the city, and I will leave that there. Yeah, I, you I, know, I, I feel like... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like if you're listening to the podcast, you're already a soccer crackhead. And <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's entirely possible. We're probably literally telling one person that doesn't know already. Right. You, uh, you got some crack, man? <laughs> hey, man, y'all got any of that MLS? <laughs> hey, man. I already got some for Britain, man. There's the <laughs> good your, stuff. What's your name, Tyrone? Nope, I'm not going to finish it. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, again, if you're interested in that, check it out. Uh, you know, different people have different opinions. I think we might even have some different opinions on this podcast about it in general. Um, but, yeah, it, it, have your voice heard. Get involved in government. That's important. Um, if you can't get off of work, call your, uh, you know, your county commissioner. They're going to have a vote on it, so let them know. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's actually get back to the soccer stuff. Between references to Saudi Arabia and local voting, way too much political talk on the <laughs> podcast so far. Um, let's talk about the Open Cup. Um, we, you know, we mentioned it last time, but you know, the game will be shortly upon us. Uh, I'm sure we will do something either immediately before uh, or at some point before that game next week, but I do want to talk about it a bit. Um Open Cup. Uh, Drew, you had an opportunity to speak with um, some special, you know, not really guests, but some, some special people to talk to about this game. Yeah, man. I'd, I'd consider him a guest. Uh, we did a quick little interview. Are we queuing it up to where we're going to play it now? Because this is awkward. Yeah, I think so, right? Oh, let's play it. Hey there, little Red Riding Hood. I Uh, this is Drew here with Matthew Cox over at uh, Unused Substitutes, the Tampa Bay Rowdies podcast. How are you doing, Matt? Uh, I'd be better if we weren't losing to Rochester right now, but uh, all things considered, I guess I'm okay. 
Damn you, rhinos. I know. It sucks. Rhinos is my favorite animal, too, and this is annoying me. Ah, uh, you cursed them. I think so. I've been cursing my favorite, them. My favorite animal is a battery. I hate those, too. Right now, I want to throw batteries at rhinos. <laughs> but I'm sure I would go to jail. Yeah, <laughs> questionable. All right, so Wednesday night, it's going down. U.S. Open Cup. Uh, as we were saying, I guess, in the 30-second pre-podcast, that this is a... <laughs> Now a classical mass matchup of a uh, former NASL team that's gotten USL against a NASL team. Uh, we we kind of played you guys, uh, probably a light squad from you in preseason. Uh, yeah. How do you feel about the matchup on Wednesday night? Uh, you know, to me, it's going to come down to, to who ends up playing. I mean, we've been in this ridiculous stretch of games where we've had like two or three days break between uh, uh, games, and it's, you know... Like in and out of the country, uh, there was like two trips to, uh, like last week for our Open Cup game, we had a we had a league game at home the weekend before, then the the Wednesday Open Cup against the Armadas U twenty threes. But the week, but uh, like the the bookend at either of those were trips to Canada for games. Uh, I'm watching now tonight. Like Joe Cole didn't even travel for this game, uh, and and uh, Justin Chavez is out injured. So uh, I guess it's going to come down to to who we put out there. Um, I'm expecting kind of a regular lineup because the, the, the Open Cup's kind of an important thing to the supporters here, and uh, if we can manage to get past you guys, then it would be Orlando, and we'd love to go, you know, play that game again and try and get a a win against the regular side, and uh, and you know after we've beat their B team once this year already. Um, so I, I I hope it's good, but I mean at this point, factoring in the fatigue, factoring in the the travel these guys have been doing, I honestly don't know. Now, now, do you guys? You guys are actually playing tonight against the Rhinos. Do you have another game uh, after that? Maybe this weekend, or is it just straight Wednesday to Wednesday? Yeah, we've got uh, Saturday at home against St. Louis, and then uh, we'll have you guys on Wednesday uh, travel down there, and then back home again for uh, Rochester. Comes down here then uh, on the tenth. Uh, and then it's like, I think after that one, well, then we, we would have the, uh, the Orlando game possibly after that, the week after, uh, it's like, we don't really get a full week in between games again until, uh, the end of June. And it's been that way since the beginning of May. Like it's just been, we've had Wednesday games, Friday games, Sunday games, and then throw in the open cup with uh, some more Wednesday games. It's been crazy. Yeah. That's pretty ridiculous. I bet you guys are missing a, uh, eight team league now, huh? <laughs> Well, I, you know, I don't miss having to like go to San Francisco twice in, in you know, probably three weeks or whatever. Because just schedules everywhere are so weird this year. Like we're playing yeah. Rochester tonight. Rochester, this is their seventh game of the season. Uh, we've already played ten. Oh yeah, that makes no sense. Not counting <laughs> like, like Rochester went like three weeks in between games, and then they played Wednesday and they're playing today. I mean, they played uh, Saturday or Sunday and they're playing today. So it's like I don't know. I, I don't understand why it's like so difficult to do this, but apparently it is. <laughs> Sounds like uh, Bill Peterson is working in that league now. I know, right? Is he like doing schedules for both leagues right now? <laughs> Behind the scenes. Like, I don't even think they're using a scheduling computer. I think they've got like a scheduling sorting hat from Harry Potter or something, and they're just uh, <laughs> randomly pulling games out of nowhere. <laughs> or it's like the uh, the World Cup draw. There's just a bunch of old school uh, bingo balls, and they're like, oh, Rochester will have three weeks off and then play, uh, play the Rowdies. Yeah, grab the warm one. That's the Rowdies. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy, man. I'm, I'm I'm very excited to play you guys. You know, it's it sucks you aren't in the league anymore, but more importantly, I think both both us and you guys are gunning and wanting a piece of that Orlando team. 
Oh yeah, and just the, yeah. yeah, and just the fact that Orlando lost to uh, the Strikers last year is kind of the icing on the cake with that one because, uh, you know, based off their short history in the Open Cup, you know, they're a beatable team. Uh, who knows what kind of squad they're going to put out there? But I know both both sides are really looking at it, especially you guys more so. I think because uh, you have the MLS bid in, and um, do you think? Do you think your owner, uh, Bill Edwards, has kind of a, a must-win attitude against Miami at this point? I know he's kind of suing the league and suing the strikers for unpaid uh, unpaid loans, I guess. But yeah, it seems I mean, like one of those games where he's going to be a big factor, and you know, Joe Cole and all you know, all the strings are going to be pulled, and all the stars will be out for this one. Uh, I, I suspect so. I mean, uh, Bill's been kind of quiet the last few weeks, like right up uh, a couple days before the uh, the, the vote in uh, in St. Pete about the uh, the referendum for using Al Lang Stadium, possibly for MLS. He uh, was getting a pacemaker installed. So he's been kind of, uh, uh, I guess, flying under the radar for the last few weeks. But, yeah, I, I know uh, he was not uh, extremely happy in the preseason with the when we came down there and lost to you guys. And even though it's like a preseason game, but, but I, I heard he was uh, very disappointed. Uh, but yeah, he's going to want to win. I mean, he wants to win every game anyway. He's going to want to win uh, that one to get to uh, Orlando. Uh, and and we're all kind of adamantly on record down here is like, you know, I don't care if we're in this weird stretch of, you know, 13 games on three days rest or something. Uh, you you got to put everybody out there. Uh against you know you guys and and even more so if possible against orlando because that you know jacksonville's beaten them in a friendly fort lauderdale beat them in the open cup last year like we want to get that first uh that, that first win over the uh the 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 main team instead of just the b team yeah the interesting thing with miami is we have like ridiculous depth i think we have one of the largest nasl rosters this year with 28 or 29 players signed um but we went up against the USL team and we made some adjustments and barely scraped by. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Coach Nesta puts out. Um, we do play Puerto Rico at home this weekend and Puerto Rico's kind of slumming on the bottom of the table. So hopefully, uh, you know, we're going to rest some players and bring out a full squad. But after that game, he was freaking pissed. <laughs> you know, yeah. We lost to a complete amateur side. But, you know, they had a former Rowdies player on the squad. They had Manny Gonzalez from the Strikers. Uh-huh. They, they had some former players there. So it wasn't, you know, your typical rinky-dink, uh, you know, college roster-filled uh, U.S. or, sorry, um, PDL teams. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, you guys smoked the Armada under 23. Yeah, that was that- an embarrassing game. That was one of those, like, you know, knowing the way we, we tend to play, it, we, it always seems like we kind of play down to a certain opposition. And I like I honestly would not have been surprised if we had gone a goal down early or something like that. Uh, but we, you know, we actually managed to just, but we still, it was end of the first half before we got the first goal. And then uh, they had a player sent off and then we scored two kind of in quick succession. And it was just. Uh, it was like a weird face slap. Yeah, and it's looking at it. <laughs> it didn't it, look that bad, but no. And I, I think what what got it for him in the end, uh, go back and watching on the replay, is he's got a closed fist when he does it. I think if uh, it's anything other than that, then then maybe it's a yellow. Uh, because I mean, the 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 linesman was uh, was and the referee, I thought did a pretty good job in the game. I, I was in the press box watching it. Uh, because there was air conditioning in there, and <laughs> I have not—I I haven't been working in air conditioning for the last like two weeks almost. So I, I, I took advantage of it. Uh, there was an incident later where one of the uh, Armada players got a uh, yellow for dissent, and I was able to see the word, uh, see him mouth what he said to the ref that got the uh, the linesman, I guess, that got the card. Uh, 
and that's just not a word you use towards women frequently. Ooh. Uh, I don't want to, you know, I, maybe he does uh, it start with a C. Uh, yes, it does. Uh, he called her cookie. Not, he was not telling her to uh, go to the Rays game and watch them bunt. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Brilliant. I got to give her credit. Like, I think if that was me, I think I would have had a red card for that one because that's, uh, I don't know. That's, uh, I guess that happens though. Yeah, yeah, that that game was uh, interesting, but uh, I, I I guess those calls are appropriate there. Uh, yeah, they had a they had like one chance where they were one on one with the goalie and just completely boofed it. So right, uh, you know, you guys rightfully won, but you smoked them, so we're a bit concerned down here. Yeah. Um, besides, so we all know like Joe Cole's the kind of the the hot shit player down there. Uh, give us give us a couple other guys from Tampa to be on the lookout for that could potentially start this game. Well, and one thing we were worried about when we made the switch to USL was, is that going to mean, uh, uh, you know, dumping a lot of the, uh, the the more experienced, maybe higher paid players? Uh, they did cut a bunch of guys. Like, we've gone, you were, you were talking about your roster being like 28, 29. We went from like 26, 27 down to like 22. But like, we may have had more depth before, but this year it feels like the, the, the gap between the guys that start and the guys that might come on as, as substitutes is a, a lot smaller. Like, you know, we're, we're playing without two of our guys who've been starting them, you know, most of the, the, the year so far tonight. And it looks kind of like an opening day lineup. Uh, so a couple of the guys to keep an, an eye out for um, Marcel Schaefer came over here in the preseason uh, from Wolfsburg. He uh, has spent 10 years at Wolfsburg. He's kind of, you know, they're one of their iconic kind of players. They all love him. Yeah. That Florida uh, Cup connection, man. Yeah, uh, it didn't see, he didn't play in that game, but he was he'd been in the area. Uh, he scored a goal against Cincinnati. He was one of those uh, Sports Center top tens where he just was like, "Oh, I'm uh, like you know three feet past the center line. Let me just take a shot from here and see what happens." Freezes the keeper and sticks it in the top corner. So he's been a, an active player, uh, mostly playing kind of uh, defensive mid, but uh, is getting forward. Uh, Luke Bowden had been out for a couple games with an illness and has gotten back in at left back, and uh, he likes to go forward a lot. Hasn't gotten a goal yet, but he's uh, he, he'll be looking for it. And uh, Georgie Ristoff is still there. He's uh, he's now set the club record for appearances and uh, a couple goals behind Rodney Marsh's all-time scoring record. Uh, Deshaun Brown, who we signed in the offseason, uh, has gotten in uh, most of the games, started a few, and has uh, made some nice goals. Uh, and then kind of the guy who's becoming the, the quick, well, two guys becoming quick fan favorites is Alex Morrell out of Lakeland, who played for, uh, St. Louis, I believe last year, uh, or was under contract with them. I don't know if you really saw the field that much. Uh, really, really fast guy might be the fastest kid on the team. Uh, scored one of the, scored the first goal in the open cup game. Uh, and turned out the guy that he was playing against was his, uh, uh, college teammate, the, 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 uh, goalkeeper. So maybe he knew some tendencies there. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. then a, a forward we signed out of Northern Ireland, uh, Martin Patterson, who was, I think he made one appearance for Orlando City a year or two ago and then left there. Uh, he's been battling back from some injuries the last few years. He's played for Burnley in the Premier League. He's played for Northern Ireland internationally. Um, he's got an, a, a big chip on his shoulder about proving to people that he can still play, that he's not all done. Uh, and he's just an intense guy. Uh so that's uh, that'd be another one to watch out for. Uh, we brought in Leo Fernandez, who spent had a great year with the Cosmos, spent time with the uh, Philly Union, uh, and another kid out of Seattle's uh, USL squad from last year, Darwin Jones on the wing, who uh, got his first goal last weekend as well at uh, Toronto, which uh, it's been coming for a while now. So, uh, like, there's just 
a lot of talent everywhere. Like even being down one zero right now, uh, I'm not too worried. I, I you know, <laughs> they went up to Toronto last week, and admittedly, it's Toronto's uh, almost you know basically their U23 team. We beat them four nothing here, but we went down one nothing to them. Patterson comes on, scores within ten seconds, uh, and they're capable of scoring uh, multiple goals pretty fast. So uh, it should be a fun matchup. Yeah, uh, I I was gonna I was gonna make a joke earlier about your fan favorites because uh, every time you seem to get one, they go uh, MLS, uh, i.e. Luke Maholland and maybe PC. I don't know. Yeah, PC hasn't really gotten much uh, playing time. He started here the uh, opening season. They uh, they sent like nine of their uh, their guys on their MLS roster who hadn't played much down here, and all nine of them started, uh, including PC. Uh, and it was nice to be able to boo him again because uh, he <laughs> he's gone back to his. Uh, uh, well, that blade of grass is a quarter inch taller than the others. That's why I'm on the ground right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a former <laughs> Strikers fan, I, when he first came over, that was definitely the case. But uh, he, he he made us grow to love him. But <laughs> my, he my definitely all-time. can be a little like hothead or uh, yeah, he's a great uh, player. Bitchy player. He scored a great goal for us against New York in New York. Uh, but my 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 favorite all time memory is watching a, a rowdy Strikers game and the uh, the Strikers commentators. Literally saying, "Well, this is about the area of the field where PC likes to go down, so we'll see what happens next." <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, okay." Precog, yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, I, I appreciate the uh, the kind of the overview of your team. Uh, I look forward to this game. Uh, if you want, do you want to plug your podcast, social media, and all that? Because uh, we're we're fans of you guys, so. Um, I guess since you're USL, all the Miami fans should basically official che- officially cheer for you now as our uh, our our away USL team. Yeah, we'll go for that. That's uh, that, that'll work out. We uh, we enjoyed having you guys over last year. Uh, kind of bummed that it's uh, not continuing on a regular basis, but uh, who knows what happens in second division soccer these days? Uh, but we are uh, call ourselves the unused substitutes. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. I don't know everything. Uh, pretty much we're on there. Uh, at unused subs pod uh we're live on uh typically uh wednesday nights but uh we're not going tonight because of uh, some hosting availability issues but we'll be live tomorrow night uh run an online radio station over here called radio st pete and then uh we go out broadcast i mean uh, we take the broadcast and put it out as a podcast later on uh you can find us on the web at uh www.theunsubs.com uh lots of articles and opinions and player ratings and all kinds of stuff out there too uh i think that's pretty much it all right thank you matt no problem looking uh, glad to talk to you again all right man best of luck uh one of us will play orlando and whoever it be uh let's beat the shit out of them absolutely absolutely <laughs> i'm all in favor of that all right so uh you know i talking about the open cup this is kind of uh you know you, you hate to be distracted from a league in which you're in first place and you may be closing in on an opportunity to make the playoffs, but uh, the Open Cup is also exciting, not only for the immediate game that's in front of us, but the potential game that comes afterwards. So so let's talk about it. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we just heard from Drew, so let's hear from Omar on this, uh, this one. Omar, what do, you, what do you see? What are you looking forward to this game against the Rowdies? We're so distracted by the Open Cup that we've absolutely forgotten that we have a game in front of it. We went straight into Open Cup coverage, and we're just like, Puerto Rico! Nobody Fuck cares about Puerto Rico. <laughs> Come on, man. We got it. We got it. Look, We're talking right. about Puerto he, he Rico. Brandon buttered bit, it but, to but, you. We all want to hear Omar talk about Orlando for like 20 minutes straight and how yeah, dope no Orlando is and how me, Orlando, man. how Omar sees everything in purple. 
like Puerto Rico, I'm, I'm gonna do a cliche. We got this. We got this. Let's right. talk about let's talk about the Rowdies, then let's talk about Orlando. All right. So uh, going into the Rowdies, listen, this is a team that top to bottom they're they're built for success. Uh, Bill Edwards, as you know, spares no expense when it comes to suing people or when it comes to uh, <laughs> you know pretty much trying to get a, a quality team on the field. They do have a match again. We are recording today on a Wednesday, and as you've heard. Uh, Matt from Unused Subs uh, just shortly before, I guess, they queued it over to me. Um, they are playing the Rochester Rhinos, um, and at the type of this recording, uh, they have lost 1-0. to zero. Uh, They oh, didn't feel yeah. the strongest of 11s. They did not find... Uh, they did not play everybody uh, that they can in order to field, you know, their I, what in my opinion is their best eleven. They have names that you've heard of before, guys like Luke Bowden, who guess what played at Orlando City, guys like Neil Collins, who guess what played at Sheffield United in England, um, a few guys over from Fort Lauderdale like Darnell King. You know, these are guys whose names are very familiar. Joel Cole, another one from England that you've heard of time and time again. Darwin Jones, a former MLS product of Seattle Sounders. So this is a good team. This is a team that you can't really sleep on. Um, and I didn't even start talking about Georgie Kristoff either. So, you know, the really important thing here is, in my opinion, rest the guys that are going to be necessary to get the win on Wednesday against Puerto Rico on Saturday. And make sure that you fire the strongest 11 you can against this team because of what comes right after. So here's my thing. So we talked to Matt from Unused Subs. He kind of fired out the squad. We're playing Puerto Rico. Let's tie this all together. Who would you say, like, don't do not do the whole entire hypothetical team, but, like, let's say give us a little Puerto Rico roster and give us a, a, a Rowdies roster. Like, who do you think? Who do you think needs to play both of those games? Like, which which players are we going to stress the shit out of because they're essential? Uh, I think the back four are going to be guys that are going to play both games. So I think you're going to see Mason Trafford and Rep Bernstein play both of those games. Um, you know, I, I just think you have the flexibility everywhere ah, else. Like, but you said back four, like Blake Smith, well, I, not an I option for I, either one of those. No, no. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't have said the back four. I should say the middle two in the back. Yeah, there's so nobody Rhett else. And Mason. Right, there's nobody else who's going to really play those positions. Freeman could sub in every now and then, so if you want to give one of those guys a break, you know, in this case Mason, who's played every game, yeah, you can stop Freeman at center back and then figure out what you're going to do with your fullbacks when it comes to Wednesday. But, you know, for example, Casira shouldn't play Saturday against Puerto Rico. I think you should let Blake Smith get his legs going for that game and, and try to work him back in the starting 11. I think... Freeman and Barajo shouldn't play in that game and, and give Gabriel Farfan some time again to build up chemistry. Johnny Steele needs minutes. Michelle needs minutes. I, the list goes on and on. You know, I, I think the two guys that you're going to see play both games also up top might be Vincenzo Ranella and, and Poku just because you don't have substitutes for those guys at those positions. Those for are sure, the cogs sure. that you have up front. You know, should they play a full 90 against Puerto Rico? In my opinion, no. I don't think they should. Um, but then again, I value a win over the Rowdies more than a win over Puerto Rico on Saturday. Matt, do you want to? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll chip in here. That was a good conversation, though. I don't need to. I can I can lay in the weeds a bit. Um, yeah, I, I would. If the trade is you can only have one win, I think the choice is is blatantly obvious. Um, you want the win against Tampa because of what it'll mean, because of the possibilities it'll present, and because it's not like you're playing. You know. Uh, it's, it's not like you play North Carolina or Jacksonville, where it's kind of a 
six-point swing. Yeah, you're giving three points back, and North Carolina might pick up a win. Jacksonville might pick up a win, but Puerto Rico isn't probably going to catch up on you in the spring season. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's pretty I think it's pretty clear what should be done. Now, if that is what's done, I don't know. But at the same time, as you mentioned, there are so many options on the table in terms of substitutions and and putting out a, quote, strong squad versus a, quote, weak squad, you could have a number of changes to the, again, quote, normal 11 and still have a pretty strong squad. Tampa can too. Tampa has options in front of them, and, and, and they lost this game tonight, and it looks like they kept a little bit of their powder dry, or they're trying to keep it dry for next week. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be uh, both... Both managers have very interesting decisions in front of them, deciding how they're going to proceed both this weekend and going into the game on Wednesday. Yeah, I think my my okay. I'm gonna start a new sponsorship. My Herbal Essentials, the, the shampoo <laughs> well company. Done. Yeah, well yeah. Done. My Herbal Essentials shampoo company. <laughs> Players that must start is definitely Trafford and Bernstein. Although I wouldn't mind if Russin got a little bit of time. Everybody stop booing. Everybody <laughs> stop booing. I Homeboy's healthy. Homeboy's huge. Homeboy scored the second goal for our team ever in history. You Gigantic. Talk, you, sorry, I didn't want to mean to cut, get into your take, but you were talking to him on the sideline of the match against Surf. He is healthy. He is ready to go. Uh, without calling out a spot, he told me he's healthy. He told me he's okay. healthy. So I would like to see him maybe not start either of those games, but maybe get a couple of minutes, give another guy a rest. You know, you start Bernstein, maybe take him out for a little bit. I feel like Mason Trafford has to start both those games and play a ninety. P- Puerto Rico, yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, and I feel that's like I feel fair. like in the midfield, it's going to be the same thing with Richie Ryan and Lahood. Lahood needs to Lahood needs to play either ninety in both games or close to that in both games. Um, the other thing on the on the defensive line, you know, we can get a little bit of Barajo in there, mix it up with him and Casira uh, or Baggio. Um, but yeah, as you said before, and as we stated earlier, I feel like the front two are going to have to be Poku and Ranella, and then we're just going to have to sub out either uh, Pino or Chavez or do a mixture of both in those two games. But I feel like it's really going to come down down to where our core players are now. Maybe Trafford, Ryan. Uh, La Hood, Poku, and Ranella. So, but are you saying that with 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 the mindset of you want to win both games? Or oh yeah, I want to win. One? I want to win both games. That's okay. if you want to win both games. Those guys are gonna have to fucking throw down some sweat and blood. But uh, I mean, I, I would take the Puerto Rico game lighter and sub them out earlier. But uh, if we could start those guys or sub them in late, uh, I, I feel like those are the. That's that's kind of the core of the team now. These are the mm-hmm. irreplaceable guys. I also don't think that if I don't think either of the game's going to be laid down. But if one were to, I think it I think it would be Tampa according to how the the, the manager might be thinking based on the previous attitude towards the Open Cup by right. the manager. Now, ownership might disagree. And and maybe they're now on the same page, but as we've seen, there have been two Open Cup games in, in Miami FC's history, and one of them was basically a laydown. Um, so I would I would imagine again I I know nothing I know nothing, but I would imagine if one game was to be laid down with a quote unquote B team, 
it would be the Tampa game. I certainly hope it isn't. I don't think it will be. But if one was, I think it would be that game. And so I would expect you would see a pretty strong 11 against Tampa, against Tampa, against Puerto Rico. Uh, Puerto Puerto Rico. Rico. And I would hope, and I also do think, and I hope that you would see a strong 11 against Tampa, but I, I'm more certain of one than the other. I mean, look, I'll tell you this. I don't know what the incentive is for Nesta here in his head or, or what he thinks, you know, with regards to whether or not he wants to make an, a deep open cup run. Um, because a playoff spot can be solidified uh, by the by the middle of July. You could win the spring season and have played, in this case, four Open Cup matches um, should you get past Tampa and Orlando at that point. You know, and also, listen, that game against Orlando is going to be a huge, uh, you know, opportunity, marketing opportunity for Florida soccer and, and for Miami um, because all of a sudden you're going to see you know, wait a second. Miami's playing Orlando City. Orlando City throughout Florida is renowned. They were on Fox Sports last year. So if you were, no matter where you lived in Florida, you got Orlando City games on your TV. Now you're going to get a whole new atmosphere of people who only want to see MLS. If Miami FC somehow has a good showing against Orlando, and it's very possible that they might, all of a sudden now you're, this team's marketing appeal goes through the roof. And another thing that really hasn't been mentioned but something that I've kind of kept on in the back of my head is that you have the potential of, of seeing Kaká face against one of his old protégés who's now on the sidelines for Miami FC. Both of these players played together at AC Milan. So, you know, whether or not Nesta thinks, hey, you know, this what this could be, or whether or not he's just worried about the fitness and, and winning the NASL, you know, it, that that's his prerogative. He's the gaffer. He's going to make the choices, um, and we will, we will, you know, live with them. But at the same time, you know, if it was up to us, and I think if the fan base had a vote, I think that they would be willing to take away zero points from the Puerto Rico game uh, if we were told that we had a 75% chance of winning the Tampa Bay game. Yeah, and I I think for that Orlando game, we most likely won't see Kaká. Like, last year, they took it a little late. But that goes back into the whole, like, MLS Miami discussion where I, I one of my main issues is there's just X amount of people in the city kind of holding out that they're like, oh, you know, Miami FC, cool, but I want MLS to come. They can't give you a good reason why they want MLS to come because it's, quote-unquote, the top flight of soccer. Well, okay, man, you can't watch the second division, like, you know, you don't have to be a season ticket right. holder, but watch a couple games. But that's the thing. Now, if if we can beat Tampa and then, you know, maybe scratch out a win against Orlando City, however that happens, even if it's against, uh, you know, uh, a weaker Orlando side, you know, we kind of have the bragging rights to be like, well, okay, you want MLS in Miami, but do you know we beat Orlando City in, like, an Open Cup game? Right. So, therefore, like, this, you know, the... The gap, the gap of talent isn't that far, where I feel like people from the outside just look in on uh, NASL and they're just like, oh, you know, it's Division Two, it's a bunch of college players, where it's like, no, this this serious shit, you know? Where if we could pull that off, it, it's just such a great success, and especially with, like, the potential competition in the area. Right, and I think what's really important here, and, and I, I had a feeling that Matt was itching to jump in, so I'm sorry, Matt, uh, for getting no. in. But I, the, the one thing here that you'll see is this, right? If Orlando, Orlando's fans, when they were asked by Orlando's Facebook account, 
who do you want to play? <laughs> yes, they have a natural rivalry with Tampa, but everybody wanted to play Tampa. So to my assumption, that means none of their fans, for the most part, want to play Miami. Why is that? Orlando City B's USL team, nine games have played. They're 3-3-3. Three, three, and three. They've racked up 12 points. If Orlando City lines up with a full USL squad, Miami FC will drub them up and down the field. So that is my thought. Granted, again, maybe they don't play the full USL side. Maybe they'll line up Joe Bendick in between the posts. Maybe they'll get uh, some of the guys like Giles Barnes and Kyle Lahren to play sparingly throughout the game just to see what they can do and, and, and try to keep Miami at bay. But if Miami gets past Tampa and Orlando thinks that they're going to throw out a USL side, Orlando's throwing away their open cup for the season because Miami will beat Orlando City B any given day of the week. And I have no assumptions. I'm sorry. I have no qualms with making that a guarantee, period. Although I do wonder if after the events of last year, uh, if Orlando might be a little bit uh, hesitant to chance it uh, against a Florida team in the Open Cup that, you know, maybe they know they're not going to win it, but at the same time they don't want to lose to another lower division Florida team and kind of suffer that embarrassment again. I, there's a lot of psychology that goes into yes. the Open Cup, a lot more than just your average league play. Come sit on this couch. Like, <laughs> yeah. What do you want from this? What, what, you, what do you want what you to get feeling? out of this experience? <laughs> like, forget about winning it. You're not going to win it. No one actually wins it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an unrealistic goal. What right. do you want to get out of this? Well, I'd prefer not to embarrass myself in, in my own home state. I'd prefer, you know, all these things. But I also don't want to injure one of my players and mess up my league. <laughs> you know, there are all these different things you have to weigh. It's kind of what makes it so fascinating. And you see it, you know, in... in in, in England and in France and in Spain and in Germany as well and in Italy right. where you're playing this balancing act, especially in the early rounds where it's like, well, our our second team should be able to beat X level third team, <laughs> you know, third division team, but not always. Right. So, um, but I yeah, think, it's going to be interesting. I think one of the key things here is that if and, – and look, let me preface by saying this. Yes, I am an Orlando City fan. When it comes to MLS, <gasps> that's the team that I root for. Like I, I root for Orlando City to do well. Uh, I used to really strongly support the Seattle Sounders uh, after the defunct Florida teams were gone and there was nothing left. Uh, so I went you know, transcontinental to the opposite corner of the country uh, to pick a team <laughs> to follow in MLS. After the creation of Orlando City... You know, and I have a team in Florida again that I can watch. The, you know, they're readily on TV. I can find the games easily. You know, it's not a it's not a big deal to find. So I I am very familiar with the players that Orlando City's first team can throw out, and it does worry me. If, for example, guys like Christian Aguita, guys like um, Carlos Rivas, I don't know if this Miami FC team has an answer for them. Um, I don't know if Miami FC has ever played against a forward with the capabilities of Kyle Lahren. I don't know. I don't have the answer to those questions. So if Orlando throws out a strong starting 11 against Miami, should we get there? You know, I, I'm a betting man. I, I don't think I would be throwing money Miami's way. However, again, if my if Orlando City wants to roll over and throw a full USL side, you better believe I'd be willing to bet the mortgage on Miami at that point. At that point in time, 
Yeah. I think there were a lot of uh, the, the, what's the God, I'm, I'm borrowing from the world of politics again, but the Donald Rumsfeld quote where there are known knowns and unknown knowns and unknown <laughs> unknowns. There are just so many things that we know and things we think we know and things we don't know and things that we don't even know that we don't know yet. Yeah. When it comes to like <laughs> yes. how these next two games could play Step out. Step one, just, beat Tampa. You know. I, I yes, know one that's, thing. That's, I know one thing. Should we beat Tampa? We will all be in Orlando City Stadium uh, for that match. Yes, that I that will one one thousand percent be there. Uh, that there is no doubt about that. And then we'll go to Volcano um, Bay the day after. I, yeah. <laughs> I I have a I have a I have a random question that I don't know of Omar. Go for it, Omar. What what uh, Orlando supporter group do you fuck with? I, I don't fuck with either group because I'm not I'm not in Orlando, so okay. I don't. They're, they're both equal. This is the thing. I, I don't know the history of the supporters groups of Orlando. Like, I know there's Iron Lion Firm, and I know there's the Ruckus, and then I know that there's a lot of people that don't belong to either supporters group, but stand in that supporters section, uh, the wall, standing only seats, which is, I saw some photos, is just incredibly impressive, uh, to be quite honest, for a soccer stadium. So um, I, I don't really mess with either because I've always sat when I've gone to Orlando games, like midfield, like 45, 50 yard line, because I only go once a year. So I try to get the best seats I can. Get good seats. That's yeah. funny. And, and I've been to two Orlando City games. Guess how many goals I've seen them score? Zero. It's fucking zero. A 0 0 draw <laughs> against Houston and a 2 0 loss against the Red Bulls in, in 2015. So, you know, I, I haven't had the best of luck watching, uh, you know, the, the Lions play, but. Um, yeah, it, when and when Miami MLS comes, you know, a lot of my Orlando stuff is going to be going to the back of the closet or the Goodwill because, you know, it's, I've got a home team now again where I don't have one previously. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of where I lie. So a lot of people have been questioning my allegiances lately and, and fuck you for doing that. <laughs> but at the same time, like, be very clear, you know, like if there's if there's soccer on TV, I want to watch it. And if there's soccer in my area, I want to follow that team. I want that team to do well. If Miami had an MLS team and, and Fort Lauderdale have an, had an MLS team, yes, I would definitely root for Miami. But I would like to be the Eastern Conference Finals to be Miami-Fort Lauderdale because I want both teams to succeed. I want my team to succeed more but at the same time, but I don't want that team to be a cellar dweller. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I was just uh, I was just gonna say when when we go out to uh, Orlando, if and when, uh, you'll definitely see a difference between the two groups. I would just like to say that I mess with uh, Ruckus and uh, Fuilf. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's... You're good. Yeah, yeah. I like Ruckus. Ilf can go f themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So hopefully, so, man. Hopefully, hopefully, by the time we have our next pod, um, we'll, we'll come back with you know travel plans and hotel blocks and places we can stay and 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 you know how we're gonna figure out the the car rental situation. Oh no, or, I'm not staying in the shit city for one night. Oh, shut up, man. Get out of here. We're going to Volcano <laughs> Bay the next day. Like, come on, we're gonna do some water slides. Take a day off. You'll be happy. Um, one thing of note. See, this this is ahead. the luxury of being a teacher. <laughs> Drew, take one I day off work, man. Just take one day. I'm looking forward to that next week. I'm like, yeah, I don't go over to Orlando for two weeks. I don't care, whatever. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I did want to mention, um, I I saw a report the other day, and the report was actually commissioned by UEFA. So take that with a grain of salt if you want to. Um, guess who's the oldest average age league in the world in terms of player age? 
would it be the United States? I just I want you to guess. It, it, all over the world, uh, UEFA sanctioned the commission to figure out player ages and who has the oldest uh, league in terms of average age around the world. Who, who do you think that would be? Okay, J- just as kind of since it's UEFA, it's 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 the yeah, world. It's the whole You're world. The whole world. They commissioned a report okay. for the whole world. Yes. Ugh. I, I mean, I, I feel like you're trolling us into saying NASL <laughs> or MLS. Uh, what I, do you think? I mean, both. Of, I mean, MLS is considered a retirement league, but uh, NASL kind of lacks bringing up the younger talent. Um, besides that, um, I'm going to go with uh, Denmark First Division. <laughs> and... Uh, Matt, what do you think? I'll go NASL because there is no like developmental side really, like like Drew said. So you don't really have any like reserve players ever coming up per se. Right. So yeah, I mean Denmark has an average age first division of twenty five point two years. Drew was actually pretty close. And NASL is the oldest uh average age league in the world with the exception of the Thailand League, but the Thailand League uh doesn't really count because they have people with automatic uh, military service requirements, so we, they try not to factor ah, that yeah. in. So yes, the average age of any NESL teams this season is 27.4. It is the highest around the world. Um, wait, wait, who's, Mexico, who's under... Yes. Oh, no, I'm about, keep going. The Mexico uh, is also one of the highest. The Mexico's first division at 27.1. So, you know, MLS uh, just under them at 26.3. So, you know, it goes to show that, you know, yes, the NASL does have an age issue. Uh, even with only eight teams in the league, um, the MLS, I'm sorry, the NASL does have an age issue, even more so the NASL. So it's really important to see Ricardo Silva coming out and stating that he wants to have a youth academy for Miami FC uh, to make sure to be pumping out younger products. Maybe not only for Miami, but guys who may not land contracts in Miami and find a home with another NASL squad. Yeah, that's... Uh... Definitely something worth mentioning. Was that what did did Silva mention that Reserve Academy in the CBS Four interview? Am I remembering yes. that correctly? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there was. Uh, we'll we'll uh, try to retweet this on the uh, on the Twitter account. Uh, but there was a really good interview uh, on CBS Four, the local CBS affiliate here in Miami, uh, with the uh, owner of the Miami FC, Ricardo mm-hmm. Silva, and he addressed a number of topics, including possible competition with MLS and you know the prospects of the team. And one of the things he mentions was establishing a reserve side. And, of course, this sets bells and whistles going off because there, we, this is something we've discussed before and, and possible partnership opportunities in the NPSL or elsewhere um, or starting something entirely new. And this is something, Drew, I remember you talking about this before, if I recall correctly, the idea of, like, you know, uh, reserve academy as revenue stream that basically this is an opportunity for the team to, to generate revenue instead of just kind of sitting on the contracts you have and just letting them play out. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, and in South Florida, that's that's like a hotbed. Like, every, you know, you look at PSG Miami, who's a uh, uh, PDL team, and all these guys have youth academies, and it's just a money grab. And it's kind of a cheap cheap way of doing a money grab. I feel like it's a little bit older of an NASL thing to do. But, you know, it, it makes money, you know. I don't know if that's up Silva's sleeve, but uh, I, I feel like I feel like the best situation here is you know maybe year two two or three years ago there was a whole thing with MPSL having all reserve squads for NASL and if and if that if that can be a thing like that would be great because you know USL keeps branching and they want to go to 
Division two and three have both leagues. So if we can do a two to four or three to four, it would be a big step for the league. And I, I really hope that Silva either puts in. I hope it's an NPSL, not a PDL. You know, I hope it's a pro am thing mm-hmm. where a couple payer, players are paid so we can move guys up and down that aren't getting playing time. And uh, ultimately, I hope he just ends up buying a pre existing team. But if he starts one up, uh, more power to the Sunshine Conference. But uh, if he can snatch up Miami United or have some kind of affiliation with them, that would be awesome. Yeah, I think that's what you know. I think we we all would like to see that a partnership with a, with an established team would kind of make everything a lot easier. Um, you know, uh, for a very 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 long time, people have just assumed that the Miami United might potentially be a partner of the MLS team um, that would be coming in. But maybe you see a partnership with the NASL team. Maybe, uh, you know, Miami Fusion, which, by the way, we do need to talk about those two teams in just a hot second because that's something we we can't let slip. Drama hour would be a long show. Yeah, yeah. I know. We've got a lot to cover, man. A lot's lots happening this last week. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, to to see a partnership with, with one of those teams, one of the established sides, uh, would be interesting. It definitely would be interesting. If you want some other facts and figures uh, from that UEFA report, you will find it on our Twitter account. I did actually just tweet it out for you guys to follow along with it. Inside that report, there's a bunch of information. We're talking about, you know, amount of percentage of players that are not patriots of that country, uh, you know, international players playing in, in leagues uh, that are not of their own uh, country of, of, of origin or citizenship. Um, on top of that, you also have a market value number that shows that although soccer may be the world's game, it's definitely uh, the European game as 84% of the world's contracts uh, are paid through European clubs. So it's definitely very interesting. If, you, if you're a nerd like myself and you like seeing fats and figures, fats and figures, facts and figures, uh, please make sure. <laughs> yes, I'm fat. Uh, please make sure that you take a look at this report. It's actually really cool stuff. Yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, if you want to broaden your base of knowledge about the soccer world, sounds like a good place to start. All right, let's let's do the um, other Miami stuff here then. Yeah, yeah. I, yes. With all the Open so, Cup Drew, talk, I completely is... forgot uh, the El Clasico <laughs> so drama hour. So I did too, and I I would have forgotten about it if I also didn't mention Miami Fusion because mentioning Miami United, United didn't trigger it. It was mentioning Miami Fusion yeah, that yeah. triggered it. So, Drew, you are uh, you know uh, the expert <sighs> on fourth division soccer in Miami. I would say I, I I hold my own, but I defer to you. So I, I want you to give us the 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 full wrap up, the the, the round by round uh, account of what happened between these two teams the other night. Okay, I would just like to put out a full disclaimer: is that they played on a Saturday night, so I was not a witness to any of this any of this malarkey or shenanigans that happened. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, but the Fusion played United uh, up where you know the Miami Fusion plays in Pembroke Pines in Broward County. Because where else would the Miami Fusion play? Um, I I want to point that out. It uh, the first thing I know I'm I'm dragging out particulars here, but it's Ives Estates Park, right? Oh man, I don't know. Yeah, it's, North, I, I it's believe North Miami. That is, they used to play there. Yes, yes. It's it's at a uh, yeah uh, Orange Bowl Field at Ives Estates Park. That is that is Dade County. That's proper Miami. It is literally about uh, probably like 500 feet from the line, <laughs> but it is it is Dade County. All right, <laughs> you caught me with the favoritism here. <laughs> hey, I have my favoritism too, but I, I value the facts. All right, go ahead. So anyway, uh, it you know as typically in the past we've seen these two teams play. 
when the Fusion first got formed, they took a bunch of front office staff and players over from Miami United, and it created kind of a a rift in the tectonic plates of Division Four soccer. So uh, there's probably been a beef for a good three years between those two teams. But um, in this game, you know, it, it was chippy. I watched a little replay. I think it was on SportsMesh.tv on Facebook. Um, the Miami uh, United announcer Guillermo was calling the game. But uh, at one point, uh, I believe it was 2-1, uh, Miami United uh, kind of, or sorry, Miami Fusion kind of did what uh, we did to Indy and scored a little chippy, quick goal off of a, you know, uh, off of a free kick. You know, just constantly throughout the game, it was three one, shoving, shoving, shoving. Game got to five two. So here's where, <laughs> here's where it comes down to an internet record. So we don't really know what happens, but <laughs> apparently, uh, you know, Ladose, we all know Ladose, the Miami United supporters group. The guy, the guys are great, but uh, they get a little crazy. Uh, you know, they've been cheering all game. But apparently the uh, Fusion's owner's son, who I know and recognize, came up to Ladose's section, uh, grabbed his genitals, and started talking smack about how they were up 5-2 and the better team in Miami, yada, yada, yada. Um, This doesn't come out on camera, although there is slight video footage of it. A huge argument breaks out in the stands, but apparently they just fought with the refs the whole game. Um... But after, I think, the the fifth goal from the Fusion, the referee just stops the game, goes over to the technical area, the clock is still running, takes about six minutes, then crosses the other side of the field, talks to security behind the goalie net, then goes to the other side of the field, clock is running, uh, all the players come out, the, all the players want to play, it didn't really seem like an immediate security threat, you know, on camera you could see the whole field, nothing was getting thrown on the field, from the camera's perspective, but they, they ended up calling the game. But uh, the interesting, the crazy thing is, like, both both teams are basically implying uh, uh, they were provoked by the other side, and all the other side did this horrible stuff, you know. If you go to the, the, the Fusion's Twitter account, they're saying, you know, the United fans threw stuff on the field, the United fans are saying, you know, all this stuff about the, the Fusion fans. So uh, it, it looked like a, you know, a, Pretty chippy game, but from from what I was viewing, it didn't look like they should stop. But at the same time, it's fourth division soccer. There's no real security at the park, you know. <laughs> this is yeah, it, it's... I want to read from the the official statement from the NPSL. Oh yes, uh, the the NPSL can confirm that the game between Miami Fusion and Miami United on Saturday, May twenty, was stopped by the referee before the conclusion of the game. The NPSL is in the process of gathering and reviewing information surrounding the game, including the referee's report. So, this is still... I've not yet seen an update from either team. Uh, Miami United is rather prolific on social media and and really hasn't talked much about it since, since the night of. And Miami Fusion social media is virtually non-existent. So, I think the last thing they tweeted was on the night of. Uh, And they steal my pictures. yeah, uh, yeah. We there's a lot. There's a lot to this one. There's a lot to this particular event. I I both almost clubs are blaming both both clubs are blaming the other the others fans on Twitter, which is funny because we know Ladose, um, and and with all due respect, uh, there might be twelve people in Ladose, uh, and at the same time, I kind of look at that and, and and say to myself, which is kind of funny uh, about this whole situation is, you know. 
I don't think 12 guys going to watch a game are going to be causing a ruckus. Uh, although they might. That fusion would say, yeah, this is your fault. And then on the other hand, you have Miami United saying, well, look, it's the own, it's the it's the owner's son. So you're just like, you know, like it's just a giant, uh, it's a giant clusterfuck, and it shouldn't have happened. But I guess this is what happens when you play fourth division soccer anywhere in the world, right? I I do wonder. I, it's it's kind of humorous this thing, uh, but it, I I don't think this is definitely something we want to see repeat. Uh, you know, even you know, it is fourth division. I, I I'm I'm an unabashed uh, pro Miami United guy. Drew and I I think are on the same wavelength there. Uh, you know, I have I have my Miami United jersey. I'm happy to wear out the games, um, and so I like to see them do well. And Fusion has kind of become the you know the the punching bag per se, and, and they got a good win the other night, or at least it would appear as long as it's not reversed or something by the league. Um, but I don't think it's in anyone's best interest to have this kind of incident uh, as a regular feature. Um, you know, when you're having a game abandoned, that's not something we hear about in American soccer. And one of the, the good things that American soccer usually has going for it is that it doesn't have some of the ugly, you know, for lack of a better word, bullshit that some other leagues have, especially the lower divisions where you have, you know, just... just nonsense and, and, and fan violence or, or, you know, other unnecessary violence. And, and this isn't a violent act at all. It's it's a matter of words and actions, it's words and kind of gestures, not physical action. But still, I think I think it'd be best for both clubs, considering basically in the, the first hours after the event that they were basically ramping it up on social media. I think it would be in everyone's best interest. You know, you've had your fun... You know, we had our, our social media, you know, we got our retweets and our likes and all that. I think it's probably best for everyone to, to dial it back down and make sure something like this doesn't happen again. Absolutely. I can't agree more. And off with that. Off with that. Yes. We're going to wrap up the show here. Uh, real quick, just a quick roundup uh, of, of basically all the tables in Europe, which you guys didn't do yet last week, but you decided to bash me uh, about all right, man, good night. the Champions Drew's League. Drew's out of here. Anyway. Uh, good uh, night, no, guys. Bye, Drew. I'm literally going to walk away from this podcast right now. <laughs> that, that's fine. I wasn't going to bash you, but that's fine. You, you feel free to do whatever you want. Uh, Chelsea wins the Premier League. If anybody doesn't know that by now, that means you're blind and you also why are you listening to this podcast. Uh, Bayern Munich takes care of the German League. The Bundesliga, Bayern Munich, uh, obviously, <laughs> world's ahead of everybody else. In League 1, Monaco does the unthinkable and shocks PSG, finishing eight points top of the table and securing another Champions League uh, bid for next season. Uh, Real Madrid, Los Blancos, um, they get the job done, man. Barcelona got a lot of soft calls in Malaga uh, in order to try to get them the win there, and the referees helped them out. Let's not joke around here. Uh, actually, Real Madrid played in Malaga. Just kidding. I'm not sure who Barcelona played at the end of the season. Um, but, yes, Real Madrid beat edges out Barcelona with regards to that. In the Dutch league, the Eredivisie, uh, Feyenoord uh, edges out Ajax by one point in order to make sure that Feyenoord, they, in, Dirk Kout. The wonder, the wonder, man! He scored a hat trick, I think, in that game. In hat order to trick win, to win the league. To win the hat league. trick to Absolutely. win the league. Anytime, a le- anytime your top team has a sixty-one goal differential, a plus sixty-one goal differential, that's that's pretty insane. Uh, the edge out Ajax uh, for the Champions League automatic qualification to the group stages, so that's good for them. I do not believe that the Italian league is over yet. However, Juventus has claimed the title with one game left to play as they edge out Roma and Napoli. Those two teams duking out for automatic qualification. 
uh, for the Champions League. In the Europa League, my Manchester United took on Ajax today and are forcing Ajax to go into the qualification round, uh, winning a very pedestrian game 2-0 uh, where we really didn't have to break a sweat. Shout out to Red Bernstein and Michael Hood for being United fans, or so it seemed, being at the game at Fado's, uh today and being in attendance. That wasn't so bad, was it? Yeah, that that wasn't as bad as it could. You have ripped been. the I'll bandaid off quick. Yes, just just bite down and take it. I, I, you guys think um, I'm this asshole, and I'm not. So I don't know. I I do want to say, uh, happy trails, hat tip, um, three three names, uh, you know, big retirements from the world of European football. Uh, Dirk Kjaud, as mentioned before, going yes. out with the hat trick. Uh, what a way to go out, uh, lifting the, the league title and on a hat trick. Uh, Philip Lahm. Uh, yes. Bayern Munich captain, his also, final game. Also, Javi Alonso leaving as well, if I'm not mistaken. And that's why I was saving him for last. Javi oh, Alonso, possibly my first uh, European soccer man crush, maybe even before uh, Steven Gerrard, you know, as I was kind of transitioning into liking soccer. Uh, his style of play was so fun, and just the two beyond midfield goals he scored in, in two seasons, uh, one one in the FA Cup, one in the league against Newcastle. Uh, he was audacious. He was controlled. He he won basically everything, uh, but b- between the Euro, the 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 World Cup, um, you know, le- league titles in in Spain and in Germany, the Champions League in Liverpool, um, <laughs> he he did everything. He did everything. And and my you know there are players that leave your team and and you your connection with them kind of fades away. Uh, and then there are some players that it, they could play on the other side of the world, and that doesn't change. And and ultimately, I think that that the the big thing with with soccer among many sports is that you can kind of build that connection with that one player. And it might not be the top goal scorer. It might not be the you know the the, the pretty face. It's just the guy that you connect with. And and Javi is one of those guys for me. So he he will definitely be missed. And. Uh, yeah, hopefully he comes back to Merseyside and joins Steve, uh, Stevie G in the the youth squad. That'd be great. Well, um, I, I thought you were going to go with John Terry as your third guy, so that's why I took you off. But also, <laughs> also happy trails uh, to John Terry with a stage 26-minute performance uh, to be yeah. subbed out of his final match uh, for Chelsea. He may not be done. Uh, might may want to play another match in the Premier League uh, with a different squad, but 22 years with the same club is impressive regardless. Uh, a couple other I left names. him out on purpose. Yeah, Get well, him out of here. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, also, uh, another name <laughs> that may have played in his last game today uh, for a longtime team is, is Wayne Rooney, who more than likely yes. may not uh, end up wearing a United shirt uh, ever again. Uh, Bring him back to Everton. At least on the first team. Yeah, rumor is he's going to Everton. Um, another rumor, Gilfie Sigurdsson uh, to leave, possibly leave Swansea and head to Everton also. Um, you know, uh, a few jokingly rumors have uh, Wayne Rooney going over to Newcastle, which I don't think we all see <laughs> happening, but uh, it's a rumor nonetheless. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much the European wrap up. I don't think I've missed anything out here. Um, Drew does have a chance for consolation trophy uh, with Arsenal taking on Chelsea this weekend. So if you want to watch the game uh, with Drew and the rest of the Arsenal Miami squad, uh, head out to Fados. The game's Saturday, right? That's right. We're gonna watch it at Fados. <laughs> we're gonna win the FA Cup. If you go there early, we're gonna give away a Theo Walcott game used uh, warm up jersey. I don't like even when Drew is sad. I, mean, I need either happy or angry Drew. I'll take either one. <laughs> Here, but listening like, to Dido. Dido Drew does not work. Oh, man. All right. Let's bring us in for a landing, Matt.
So, that's the ending. Yes. That's the ending. Drew, I'm unabashedly rooting for you on Saturday. My apologies to Wilson and the rest of the Chelsea crew, but you guys won the league. Share the wealth a little bit. You don't need a double. You're fine. Share the um, wealth. Yes, we're in. <laughs> let's let's uh, <laughs> take us in for a landing. Uh, All right. So, yeah, send, send your thoughts and prayers out to Drew. Get him a trophy this weekend. And, uh, you know, uh, Omar wins a trophy today, and I take fourth place, which is – you know the the Arsenal. That's normally trophy. the Arsenal trophy. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say we <laughs> two, took two we trophies. Took... No, Tottenham's day, no fourth place trophy. Fuck this year. Yeah, we got to go because Drew's got to go kill himself. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, uh, for Omar Mubayad, Omar, have a good night, pal. No, it's always a great night when you win two trophies. Uh, Drew, uh, keep hope alive. Uh, I'll keep hope alive with Vincenzo Ranella, a back for Marsh. <laughs> a back. Fromage. Uh, I've been Matthew Bunch for Drew and Matt. Uh, for Drew and Matt. Yeah, we've been here on too long. For for Drew and Omar, hey! I'm Matt. What? Nothing. Go. No, nothing. <laughs> All right. So until next time, uh, go Miami FC and go Miami soccer.